This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, this is, you know, Bob Saget, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. actually going to start this podcast because you don't get a lot of times to speak to somebody that you grew up watching and kind of tell them how much you appreciate what they meant for you that's very nice when i was it was i guess full house was over in 97 so i was born in 91 and i remember watching it and it could be like the later episodes we had this blue mermaid table we have three boys in the house i don't know why we had a mermaid table uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I, w- I would watch it on TBS, like on weekends, nighttime. And then I have all the seasons in the back closet here. And oh, my God. It, it, yeah, I know. It's like, pity me. <laughs> I have VHSs in boxes in my garage. I have no idea why I have them. I mean, why would I? And I have a VHS player in my rack somewhere, in my rack. But uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just uh, I don't I didn't watch them back then because I'd be in like in a Dino the dinosaur outfit. I forbid my kids to watch it. <laughs> they would sneak watch it. Of course, you tell them not to. They do. Yeah. But I, I loved it because, like, I, I know it's somewhat cheesy, but like those moments to me when I was a child was like, oh, I'm going to learn something here. Danny's teal, like Danny's teaching me something. Yeah. And then to grow up, like this is how long you've been in my life. It's like Barney when he goes after his TV dad for say. Right. Like then I watched AFE growing up. Even at high school, there was a channel that would show the old AFE is, and my friend would be like, "This is old." I'm like, "Shut up! I'm watching Bob Saget. You leave uh, me alone." You're and, nice. Uh, I got I got a lot of crap for that joke because they were saying, "Oh, your jokes are puns and they're dad jokes." And it's like, well, you're not trying to do a joke. <laughs> and and I it was hard because here I was doing Family Hour. And you have to do it. You got to do yeah. it properly. I've got five-year-olds watching, and yet yeah. I'm wanting to talk to their parents and their siblings that are older. And the show, the videos were the stars, and they were so interesting because we'd never seen that. Now you go on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, and you've got every – that's all yeah. it is, people falling down and getting hurt badly. I was always upset when it looked like they never got up afterward, <laughs> and then they show someone in the audience throwing their head back. But, yeah, I, I appreciate – we were called AFHV. That's how oh, – really? uh, yeah, it was America's Funniest Home Videos. And I would say, send it into AFHV when the woman was coming on live. And it went around the world. It was like one of the number one shows in China with me as the host. But some countries had their own, like London had Jeremy Beadle. Australia had their own host. But I, in Canada, I was the, the only host. They didn't have a Canadian's funniest home videos. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> it would have been a guy looking at a moose. Just staring outside. I mean, in Newfoundland, it'd be like, you know, someone be like, hey, that's from Newfoundland, right? It's like, listen, we have more than igloos, so just relax. <laughs> I got to ask you. I have to ask you. I know you want to sure. ask me. I'm cool with whatever. But I've never been to Newfoundland. I've been to Nova Scotia. I've been to Regina. I've been through Saskatchewan. I've been to, I'm going to go to, I've got some tour dates coming up in the fall. I'll be in Whitecap and Regina. I just want to go there because of the obvious reasons, just yeah. the name. But I always wanted to go to Newfoundland, and I never did. What's going on there? What is the COVID like there? What's the deal? So our COVID cases were pretty relatively low, like in the East Coast, for say, like your Nova Scotia, PEI, uh, New Brunswick, Newfoundland. They were like low, 
But the thing about that is we were getting too relaxed. So I think one time it was um, someone had a funeral and an outbreak happened. And I was like, yeah, that's the dead. They were more or less like, you know, what are you guys doing here? Like, stop. Um, The latest one we have, our cases, they're starting to get lower again, but uh, it was like an outbreak. I think of students having a party or someone came in from uh, another country and then that kind of caused it again. Yeah, that's so, how it happened, right? Yeah. So it's pretty simmer down quiet, but with anything, people kind of get paranoid or like upset where it's like, we are doing so well. Yeah, yeah. Well, the U.S., you know what they've done. I mean, in some places they've observed and, and it's so many, you know, hundreds of millions of people that uh, a lot of them right now make it a political thing. And there were a lot of super spreader events and people got sick. So, you know, it's sad. It's and it'll go away. It won't go away, yeah. but we'll get vaccinated if you want to like the flu, you'll get the flu shot for it. So uh, that's what it is, but some people won't get it. So maybe they'll get the disease or maybe they'll be lucky. I don't know. I just don't want any woodlands creatures to be hurt. I I care about animal life. I think when we first got into COVID and a lot of people were like, geez, if I pet my neighbor's dog, will I get? And I was like, please don't let that be a thing. Cause then it's like dogs, like, like I can just imagine in their own little universe, like, he stopped petting me, man. Like, what's on the go with him? And exactly. Like, <laughs> like, I, I got pet. I got rid of my pet penguin. I didn't I didn't want it anymore because I heard because he, he just went batshit crazy. There you go. But the thing is, you know, look at South Park's pandemic episode, that hour special. It it kind of covered all of it, you know, any sick yeah. joke about it. And then if you say the wrong thing, everybody just wants to cancel you. It's like a literally. The, the words that I want removed from the English language are witch hunt, conspiracy, fake news, all this garbage that has come out all over the world. And I think the U.S. generated quite a bit of it. It's, it's pretty sad what's going on. And I hope we get to a better place as a human race, especially <laughs> in this country, because we're a mess. When you mentioned about cancel culture, I think it's hilarious because Dave Chappelle had mentioned in one of his stand-ups, he like mocks the audience and he's like, guess who that is? And they're like, oh, that's Donald Trump. They're like, he's like, no, it's you. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm happy that I didn't do stand up in this time frame because anything I would have said, you would have said, oh, and started typing on the keyboard. So like, are but you- he did, he did yeah. do it. In fact, I was in Ohio with him and I was at one of the live events and then someone in the company ended up uh, with COVID. So they had to cancel the rest of the shows, but I was there in Ohio with him. God, when was it? Was it, um, June, April, I don't know. Uh, and I was going to do a ton of shows. I was with Louis C.K. and Chris Tucker and Chris Spencer and Michelle Wolf, and it was pretty special. I just went there because I, I wanted to do stand-up and wanted to hang with my friends. And Dave you know, put out a couple things that were important to him. Yeah. Most recently, it was about that exactly. And, you know, it is, it, I, I want to get on stage and find out what I can and can't say, but people are ready to, you know, and I like to go, unfiltered i'm not filthy i mean yeah you do one special in 2007 and drop a lot of f-bombs and they call you a dirty animal or you're an aristocrats you know but that's those things wouldn't be as i'm not the same person because i change i and people don't want you to change they want to think oh what happened to the dad on full house i was like well that was a character those are called characters and you know watch entourage i'm something like that guy and a full house guy and but that's two-dimensional characters, which is great. I love doing all of it, but 
And then people want to nail you for being, oh, he's he's filthy. And it's like, no, I'm not. I mean, there's people that go full on much worse than I do. It's a it's one special that I did. And I also wrote stuff in a book called Dirty Daddy. But that dealt more with how comedy helps you through death. Yeah. And um, so I, I'm dying to get out there and not dying. I, I don't want to die, but um, I'm looking forward to getting out and doing it again. Well, I love how you brought that up because so when we were talking earlier about when I watched Full House as a child and then growing up watching How I Met Your Mother, I think it's hilarious because one day someone showed me one of your clips or I think it could have been on like a radio station I was listening to. And to hear you talk about the adventure of it, it was like you and Stamos, I think going in Hollywood or LA and some, I think it was a car crash and the lady yeah. wakes up and I was like, listen, I was like, good, that's interesting. And then the next clip was you on stage talking about, I'm not the dad from full house. It's like Kimmy Gibbler. And then I, my, my mouth went like to the floor, like, like that was done for shock value. And yeah. in fact, Andrea Barber, who's a good friend of mine who played Kimmy had came to my shows in Orange County. And I would say something like that, or I had a song yeah. where I'd mention her and she would go, F you, Mr. T, you know, it, <laughs> and the audience would just love it because we're friends. So yeah. none of the gross stuff that people like to invent happened. That's, I think, the secret to the show is that it's obvious we all love each other. And I'm close with everybody on the show. I love them all. So, you know, when people say, oh, well, that's Danny Tanner. Why isn't he acting like Danny Tanner? Like when you said it's a character, I like the humor when you talk about Coulier or Stamos and like just these random moments or some people like, why did he say that? I'm like, leave him alone. I'm like, that's fine. Well, I don't know why they, I mean, I've been doing stand up for 45 years yeah. and, and my work, you know, I sell out shows all over the English speaking world. I can't speak other languages. I'm no Eddie Izzard. I can't yeah. do it. I wish my audience knows it now when they come see me, they're expecting it because they watch my specials and they, they realize that I'm a good person who likes to say immature, irreverent stuff. A lot of it is just stupid. And a lot of it is animal stuff. So when you watch John Oliver and you hear you, he's always going to animal stuff. So is Stephen yeah. Colbert. They, they, one safe thing you can do in comedy is to go to the animal world and, and you don't want to go political, but you can talk about things you would do to a, you know, a, a, a chicken or a turkey. And, you know, and how we have to protect them. I mean, there's many things that can be hilarious when you just do. It's very hard to find things that are kind of innocuous that people don't get offended by because you you offend literally everybody. And I just Bill Burr is smart. He just goes, yeah. fuck it. And Dave Chappelle's right. It is the public that allowed this. It's it is enablers. It's people that spread a bunch of lies. Some of them are true. So people get canceled for doing something horrible, even if it's not in court. If it's something that they come out and they actually apologize for, they're they're dented. And some of them, I think, should get out of jail already in the culture. And others, we don't need to hear from them again because we know who they are that have yeah. done real real wrong. And some people are still out there spewing lies. But that's, you know, I have the brains to look at something and know if it's true or not. And then I try to fact check, but where the hell do you get your facts? I used to go to the encyclopedia when I was a kid. I don't think encyclopedias are, are real anymore. It's all fake, you know? Then and I had the world book encyclopedia, which is kind of like getting, I don't know, some real crappy kids magazine. <laughs> was, I don't know what was true. You know, Chris Columbus came to America and he did wonderful things. And they don't talk about uh, the queen was anti-Semitic and uh, yeah. Chris left to to get away, I don't know. It was it was pretty bad. <laughs> was, I don't know what happened. We don't know. That's yeah. the whole thing. I don't think we'll ever know about so much. And right now, people don't, you know, they're making up 
they're just I, I can't believe I, you watch the news and I'm sure you can't believe it either. And it's basically someone telling you the sky is not blue. It's just like, what? You're an, you're a liar and an idiot. It is what it is. I just want to make people laugh and entertain them. And I finished a script. I'll be directing something that I really love. That's very funny. I can't talk about it, but you'll be excited. I think I, I have a feeling. I, I think it's funny when you got into, because of course, when you're talking about all the stuff that you're involved in now, but it's weird because when you do a little bit of research on you, which I like to call this kind of interviews, a Tinder date, because it's like you do it is. a little bit of research, but not like, I don't want to know your whole story. I want you to tell me stuff. But you were going to school at one point to be a doctor until yeah. a teacher was like, no, man, you're very creative. Step away from that. Do you go back to that teacher at times or like if they're still living? Uh, she's say, not. She, <laughs> she about five years after she told me to not become a doctor, become a comedian or an actor or a filmmaker. She was in a car accident and she oh. was Elaine Zimmerman and she was. And both of my sisters were teachers, so I have a very strong affection for the field, for the respect they should be getting that many don't get. So she really inspired me, and I really, I might have gone to med school, but I couldn't take a math or science class to save my life. But I'd been making bad student films since I was nine. So then I, I won the student Oscar when I was 21 for a film called Through Adam's Eyes, which was about my nephew, Adam, getting his face reconstructed because he had a genetic uh, birth defect. And now he's healthy and over 50 and life's good. You know, you wouldn't know he had anything done, but they rebuilt his face. I made an 11 minute documentary in the Academy of Arts and Sciences, flew me to LA and I met all these people, Spielberg, and it was like pretty amazing. And then uh, I started at the comedy store. And then next thing I knew, I was at Yuck Yucks in Toronto. So I, a lot of my comedy career was in Canada, like a lot of it for my whole career. For Since I was 22 years old, I played Maple Leaf Gardens. I opened for Max Webster, who was a counterpart of Rush. And uh, I bombed so bad, I said over the microphone, can I leave now? Will I still get paid? And the promoter, Michael Cole, who started Live Nation Ticketmaster, he said, yeah, come on, let's go. So that was that was that was on stage. He's telling me this. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just I love I love all of my experiences in Canada because I just find people are people, you know, they don't there's not as many agendas. I know there there are, but uh, it's just different than especially now what's going on in the U.S. And I wanted to heal here and it doesn't seem it wants to because there's so many antagonistic people that don't have any love in their heart, which is well, sad. It's interesting. You mentioned about, of course, Yuck Yuck Canada or Yuck Yuck Toronto and starting your career in Canada. Cause I mean, come on, you can't go wrong with starting in Canada. You, we have Mike Myers, Jim Carrey. Oh, you uh, have everybody. I mean, yeah, she's yeah. A freak. everybody, you, you have a second city, all, all the people. I mean, I was lucky enough to know John Candy. I, I know Eugene. I've been in the market with Catherine O'Hara, you know, but I've, I'm friends with Marty Short. You know, I mean, I, I know so many people. I, I it, There is no, in fact, uh, most of the cast I'm working with and crew on this movie I'm doing are Canadian. So they're from Toronto. <laughs> uh, it doesn't even make any sense. I don't even, I don't understand. I, I, I really do think people are people. And unless they prove that they're nasty and then they're probably in Congress right now. <laughs> yeah. it, I, I think it's funny because when you were mentioning, of course, about when you stand, like started stand up and you said, can I leave now? It's like, so I was doing stand up in Ottawa. 
but I wasn't smart enough to figure out, oh, go to a Yuck Yucks or like a comedy store. I went to stitches. There was there was a club I played in Ottawa, and that's when I met Norm MacDonald. He was in the audience. There's like an absolute comedy. Not this is before that. It was it was was some weird name, and Norm was in the audience. He was 17 (laughs) years old. I'm the first comic he ever saw. Years later, I directed him in Dirty Work, which we shot in Toronto. So it's pretty wild. And I was in Ottawa a few years ago. I loved it. I was part of a festival, 30,000 people. I did an hour right before Snoop Dogg. It was really, I, I love everything. I mean, I'm going back uh, in the fall to Jack Singer uh, Auditorium in Calgary. I'm going to Regina and also uh, Whitecap in the, I don't know. They can look at my website. It has yeah. my my name on it. <laughs> Getting into the the full house, like how did you, I guess, land that role? And like, what are some, I guess, moments in that show that you, you really enjoy? Because I know sometimes you make a joke of when someone says, "Ask me about my favorite episode." It's the last one. Yeah. But like, what, <laughs> like, what are some memorable moments? Because when I look at back some of the bloopers, it seems like you guys had a ton of fun. Yeah, we did, and the more. I, I do benefits for the Scleroderma Research Foundation because my sister passed from that disease. And Stamos did a lot of auction items of talking to people on Zoom that donated money. And we just did a bunch of them. And he runs old clips that are behind the scenes. And we're just nuts. We're just kids. Dave, John, me and Lori, we're just acting like just silly. And that's and that's why the kids were laughing. So. And it wasn't like dirty stuff, but, you know, they would moon people, you know, (laughs) you know, it was just, we just had fun. And there were times where we didn't because I don't know, you you go through, you're a human being, you know, and you don't want to complain when you have success. It's so stupid when people do that. It's nauseating. And I did complain sometimes, but I was doing two shows. So I'd work like 90 hours a week. That's a, that's a dream thing to do. A lot of people are doing it. Ken Jeong is doing it with a ton of shows, all the masked shows and, and he's acting and, you know, there's a bunch of people that do. I love it. I love being able to do it. My podcast, I really love it. And it's Bob Saget's here for you. And it's every Monday it comes out on, you know, all the usuals, Apple, Spotify. I think things I've never heard of. Stitcher, (laughs) Snatcher, Whipple, Whip It. I don't know. (laughs) That's that's someone's out there listening to that and go like, oh, my God, that's great. We're going to come up with those. And now we can instantly say like Bob Saget was our first uh, podcast to be like, hey, I didn't agree to that. But you gave that, us the idea. <laughs> right. That app is called Whip It, and it's based on you're going to laugh because it's nitrous oxide. Yeah. <laughs> How did you manage doing both? Like, it's, it's almost like you went from being Danny Tanner to, okay, I'm Danny Tanner, but I'm hosting AFE now. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't even, I was, I was not playing, I wasn't Danny Tanner as AFE. No, no. I was the host of a, I was, the, the reason I hosted it was because one of the producers had seen me on uh, Johnny Carson on, on The Tonight Show. And I narrated uh, my wedding video. We got divorced 14 years after being married. But on the air, I ran that video with Johnny Carson and narrated the wedding video that I edited. And it was very funny. And they thought that I would be perfect to be the host of it. And then at that time, and still now, if you're watching, you know, Anthony Anderson is on Blackish and he's on To Tell the Truth. And I'm on there, I think, any minute. But um, <laughs> on the air, I mean, we did it already. But, yeah. the, but the thing is, that was a gift. It's such a gift. And so I did it. I, we, I would have the two of the writers 
from America's Funniest Home Videos in my dressing room at Full House, and we would watch monkey videos and little kids and old people falling and write the voiceovers because I used to do all that. Look out. What could happen to me? Oh, no. Ooh. <laughs> you know, just dumb stuff. So that was fun, but it was, I'd do a scene in Full House and I'd go and work in the dressing room. So it was, I was driving and I was able on my first laptop when Apple first came out with a laptop, I was able to hook it up to a modem while I was driving and I'd be typing and driving. Talk about texting. Yeah. It was insane. I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm lucky to be alive and I didn't hurt anybody. And it was all to send voiceovers yeah. for monkey videos, you know? <laughs> that's that's what you want to like, you know, see on the news one day. It's like on a TMC, it's like Bob Saget crashes his car. It's like, rest in peace, Bob. It's like, oh, well, what was he doing at the time? Like, was he eating? Was like, it looks like he was editing monkey videos. It's like, oh, you, you would have seen the narration of like a little kid with his pants falling down. <laughs> and it was, like, you know, oh, I'm just going to play here. And that's what you would see. That'd be the last thing yeah. I, I would have written in my just life. Just have that on the tombstone, right? Like, <laughs> without the context. So like, I'm confused. <laughs> if it would have been then, it probably would have said on the tombstone, America, this is you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to bring this up as like, I guess a funny joke, but you know, when you do go back and watch say full house, like I know with the episode one, when you got get to DVD, there's two different dads that auditioned and they show both. Yeah. I think they were assholes to run yeah. uh, that actor. What happened was yeah. I was doing a, I was on a CBS morning program and that was on against good morning America and the today show. And I was on it for five months and then they fired me. And and I wanted to leave, but I was hosting, hosting. Just I, I was yeah. a third co-host, not unlike what I did on the video show. I was kind of born to be. I was a comic, so I was able to be a host, and I was I could broadcast, which means you look into the lens, you talk to the people, and you you do the show like a talk show would. You know, you do. And it was strange. A wonderful guy named John Posey, who I've never met, did the pilot, and the producers Miller Boyette. Um, Tom Miller and Bob Boyette had replaced a lot of people. It was common to do a sitcom, test yeah. the pilot, and then decide you wanted to replace someone. Uh, Mork and Mindy, Robin Williams wasn't Mork. It was John Biner. Uh, yeah. Perfect Strangers, it wasn't Mark Lynn Baker. It was Louis Anderson. You know, these are things that just happened. And everybody's career ends up fine. And I, I know John Posey is an incredibly nice guy. And again, I, I feel bad about it because it's really a shitty thing to do to run the thing. I mean, but that's what people want. You know, that's the world we're in. You go on TikTok and you watch all the screen tests for all the people that Jim Carrey's Saturday Night Live audition. And you watch it and you go, God, he's a genius. Why didn't they uh, hire him? And it was almost like, they didn't because maybe he was too big for the room because in living color, he certainly exploded with his brilliance, you know, and he, I used to, he used to go on before me at yuck yucks when he was 17 in Toronto, but pretty crazy. It's yeah. Cause it's, it's funny when you look back at that stuff, cause I have seen some people's SNL videos and then I'm like, okay, how did they not make it? And then like, sometimes they'll come back as like a, a, a guest star. Like I think Kevin Harden made a joke that he had tried out and I'm like, it's it's interesting because yeah, then and they host yeah, yeah. They end up and then hosting. sometimes to me it's like when you get that phone call of hey do you want to come back and host like there's a part of me that 
feels like that they're going to be like, no, fuck off. Like you rejected me and I made it big without. Well, you. some people did say that but then they ended up, they ended up doing it again. And yeah. you know, that's when Mike Myers didn't do it. Then he did, you know, he's a pretty brilliant guy. And uh, Adam Sandler was amazing when he hosted before the pandemic, of course. And he sang a song about how he got fired and Chris Rock joined him. And he was just fantastic on that episode. It was, uh, was amazing. And he got fired. Yeah, and, and he talks about it and he said he would have stayed there for years. And, you know, it's just funny people find a way. Talented people find a way. So if anybody's out there struggling, listening to this and going, why isn't this happening for me? You know, I was at the comedy store for eight years hosting and touring the country, but I didn't have any shows. I did a Richard Pryor movie. That was like the highlight. I did a Rodney Dangerfield special, a young comedian special where Kennison first was on. and. Then I didn't do uh, uh, a couple guest spots here and there on a show. But then I finally, you know, had this moment happen when I was 30 years old. So I would watch everybody leave. Arsenio went and did his show and Howie Mandel was on saying elsewhere. And we've been friends since we were 21, 22. And so everybody has different timing. And I just don't care. And people shouldn't care if they if they're up for something and they it didn't happen for them. To go bitter gets you nowhere. You just have to know that the, it wasn't the right door for you to go through, period. You cannot uh, beat yourself up or go bitter. I know somebody. I was friends with a writer guy, and he wasn't happy with the way his movie turned out. And it's very negative and very snarky and sarcastic and angry. And that's sad. I feel bad for that person. And um, I'm, there's a lot of people like that, and that's what gets in their way. That's why they don't get what they came here to want to do and nobody should let anybody tell you you can't make it it's just like stupid you just keep doing it that's why i see that's why you see conan having his own talk show and not me because i'm on the internet going like i hate conan no i, I love conan but that's that's my yeah, yeah, I to love conan <laughs> right and you can't be jealous why is conan on and i'm on the internet it doesn't <laughs> there joe rogan doesn't say that he's got the biggest show that's ever existed in the world around the world more people watch his and listen to joe rogan than anybody on television it just got you know if you got billions of listeners and conan is arguably one of the smartest funniest guys alive so you know i arguably i don't know who came up with that you have to argue over who's funnier <laughs> no he's funnier no he's funnier by what standards well i found him funny you didn't so therefore i win it's like no. Yeah, that's that. That's yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. It, there, there is no winning. Is there, there's somebody for everybody that makes them laugh? Oh yeah, like there's definitely people out there that I I, I know when I was in university, you'd show them like a Kevin Hart clip compared to a Louis C.K. or a Jim Gaffigan, and they're like, I like that one, like that one, didn't like that one. Some like, well, actually, I liked him and him, so therefore they're funny. I'm like. Can they all be funny in their own way? They're yeah. Like, no, then, how people, dare you? Right. People put down Carrot Top. Carrot Top makes people laugh. Carrot Top yeah. is, is funny and has a, a good audience. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't have to be your cup of tea, but you can't, people, everybody's a critic and nobody's actually doing anything. Everybody's just making their opinions, what they output on the internet. And a per it's almost like a South Park episode where, and this is going to be an offensive word because little people, you don't use the M word. And South Park did a brilliant thing 
which is really where we're at, which was on CNN. It was a split screen and it was like the president of the United States on the right and on the left, a midget in a bikini. And, and they would go, here's a debate between the president of the United States and a midget in a bikini. It's not a, a nice word, but that's kind of the point of satire, which people don't get what satire is anymore either. And that's where we're at. You'll have somebody that maybe has 100,000 people that think they're the shit. And then you'll have another person who's got, you know, hundreds of millions of people wanting to hear what they have to say. And they have a debate with each other. It's just uh, it's a joke. It's not to say everybody doesn't deserve a voice because they do. But (laughs) if people say, you know, I just heard today that bam, and that's you just heard today. That's your that's your reference for your news. You're right. You know, a lot of people now don't like, say, social media or cancel culture. For me, if I have just, say, 100 followers compared to someone that has a million, and just say what you said is correct and what they're saying is just, like, wrong or they don't want to get into it with you, it's like, don't even bother. There are a million people are going to come after you and say, like, you're an idiot, you're this, you're that, where your 100 followers are going to be like, we're outnumbered here, good luck. It's like, The answer is don't read it. Don't read it and don't listen to it unless you've done something really wrong and then you got to deal with it. But, you know, I I love Bill Burr so much. I love Dave Chappelle so much. And their attitude is I'm going to say what I need to say. And if you're offended, I I guess I'm sorry you're offended, but I'm doing what I find funny. And it's hard to find funny. And then you really do. And when I go back out, I know that a lot of the things I'm going to say, I've got to tee them up very carefully. And then after I've said them, get out of it very carefully if I'm going to say something that's inappropriate or could be taken wrong. Yeah. And people are just looking to take something wrong. And so it can be the next day's headline. And it's just, uh, that's the headline. It's just, uh, it's pathetic that we're at that place. And it's not going to get any better because there's more and more places that people can go to. There's going to be more and more apps that are going to become popular. There'll be a new TikTok. There'll be a new everything, you know, where people can, <laughs> just beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> well, yeah, like, I mean, when you look back at it, for example, like some of your comedy, say Louis C.K.'s or Bill Burr's, like you look back at some of the early stuff and I will like sit sit back here in this, uh, well, the bed there and like laugh my ass off at it. But I'm like, geez, if they put that out today and a world with Twitter, social media, like the backlash you would get, like I think Bill Burr has a stand up where he talks about his girlfriend wanting a pumpkin and he's like, it's so girly about it. He's like, Oh, we're going to go get a pumpkin. And then it's like, and then he's like, then I'm carving the pumpkin. He's like, I feel like a, and he says like some weird word about it. And I'm just still like laughing. So I'm like, I get what he's going for, but there are definitely people out there like, hold on. You can't say that. That's offensive. It's like, and, no, and, you. and the point yeah. is they don't matter. Yeah. They don't matter because it's not meant for them. If they don't yeah. like it, turn it off. Yeah. You know, if it's hurtful and doing damage, then why are we watching the news? Because so much of that is hurtful and doing damage. That's the real enemy of the people are the people that are just making shit up and believing something. And you ask their reason and they have no answer. They just keep saying the same thing over and over again, like, like they're programmed, like they are a cult. It, it is cultish very much right now. And I am old enough that I remember what happened with McCarthyism when I was, I studied it. I, I was uh, just a little kid when they did that and they had the, the blacklist in Hollywood and people were called communists and they, they ruined people's lives and their careers. 
we just got to get some food on people's tables and get this disease off this earth and and then put people in rooms and make them laugh let people go to the movies and dinner and everybody get to work you know that's what we need that's it and my goal is just to try to entertain some people during this one of the or one of the questions that someone had asked me prior to getting this interview was geez if you get bob saget on ask him who his top three favorite comedians were i'm like that's that's a good question but I feel like asking a comedian who their favorite comedians are, it's like me, obviously. <laughs> right. No, I'm not my favorite, but uh, you are. You're one of my favorites now. Oh, thanks, man. In this moment, you're one of my favorites. You know, there, there is the, um, the Mount Rushmore of the great comedians, and everybody pretty much says the same ones. I got to know most of them. That's oh, wow. That's a dream that I knew most of those people. I never met Jack Benny. I was too young, but I, I met George Burns and I did a television appearance to on his birthday to roast him. And I, I met pretty much, you know, everyone. I, I would say, I can't go three, but I would say yeah. um, Richard Pryor is always there because his acting through his stand-up and his artfulness of the human condition and just what a, you know, a talent like that just it doesn't happen it's every hundred years but there's, there's much more than three i i think chappelle bill burr george carlin i mean it, it really is it, it's kind of an endless list of people it doesn't i mean rodney dangerfield was a friend of mine and helped me and and don rickles was a friend of mine and and was like a dad to me in a way especially after my dad passed but there's so many people that I look up to that Steve Martin, Steve Martin is beautiful. I mean, it's, you know, it's like a verbal chaplain, you know, and Chaplin would have been canceled for stuff he did. You know, I mean, there's so many amazing, uh, pure standups that, that I uh, love, but I think Pryor and Chappelle, Chris Rock, I mean, it's hard not to mention the best people. I just had Brian Regan on my podcast. He's such a damn good stand-up. He's got a new Netflix special. It's so good. And I love this new, he's not new. I mean, he opened for me in Sydney, Australia, and I couldn't follow the guy, Ronnie Chang, who's on The Daily Show. He's so good. He just signed a three special deal with Netflix. He's just amazing, you know? So there's brilliant people, but the greats are the greats, and everybody kind of, Robin, Williams. Everyone defers to the greats because they go, wow, that that was a force that we won't be seeing again. If you ask different generations, of course, like maybe who their top three comedians is, top three athletes, like everyone has a different list. But even if you say like for me, if I said, oh, top three hosts and I said to you like Conan, Stewart, and even if I put in, I don't know, let's, let's just put in like Fallon, just say if that was my three. And then hearing them give you three and then like those three giving you more three, you're like, so it's always subjective. Of, oh, and then that's, yeah. that's called being a person. I mean, yeah. I was on uh, many times with Johnny Carson. I was on with David Letterman many times and that, so they were the, the top. And I knew Steve Allen, who was the, before Johnny Carson on yeah. the tonight show. I met Jack Parr, who was before Steve Allen. So, and Dick Cavett, and these were guys, and Merv Griffin helped me out. But late night now, when I mention where I get my news from, it's Stephen Colbert and John Oliver and Bill Maher and Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Meyers 
I'll watch Fallon to be entertained, you know, but, but a lot of it, the political stuff you're getting from these other guys that are all, you know, it's, it's a lot of political. That's the news of the day. And it's meant in a way to hold up a mirror and make it transparent. So you hear the ludicrousness, but of, of the news and sometimes it's nonpartisan, but a lot of times it leans pretty far left because a lot of the conservatives are, are pretty frightening. But everybody is. Every extremist, no matter what platform you're on, is scary. If we can take care of this virus, a lot of things will clear. And then if we can get rid of hate and racism, oh, that's not going to happen. It's it's just there, man. It's it's We're, we're going to have to figure out something. <laughs> we're slightly flawed. We yeah. are a flawed species. And if anybody can get rid of us, we can, you know, <laughs> even if we don't mean to, we will somehow find a way. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if somebody says you got to wear a mask or you're going to die and some people's response are, I don't believe you. <laughs> so, okay. I, I mean, your I chances like of getting just, sick like are less. A week on the way. All right. It, it, well, it's a thinning of the herd. I mean, that, that's yeah. what some people love about it. Yeah. That's, that's the racism. They just yeah. love that. Yeah, it's just like, I'm not wearing a mask. It's like, okay, one less of you around, I will gladly. But those people don't get sick sometimes, you know, or they get it and then they get over it because they're lucky. And then older people or people with more complications and are are more frail, they get it and they, they die. I know someone who just died. A friend of mine, her mother just died and she got COVID and the doctor said, you're okay and you don't have to come to the ER. And she died four days later. So those are people that are vulnerable. And that's what we have to give a shit about. It's just people don't care about other people. Some some people don't yeah. care about other people. And that's just sad. That's just sad. But my, again, it's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be funny and I haven't been. We, we get pretty serious during this time. Have I you mean, found that with your podcast? Have you found it gets pretty serious because people are in a sad way? Oh man, like once these podcasts are over, I go back in my, right in this bed and just lie down and just stare at a ceiling fan and be like, why? Why? What, what happened to this interview? <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about this one. This is very enjoyable. The other thing I want to kind of get into with, or with you, when I mentioned about earlier about AFE and watching it when I was younger, I don't know like if this is still a thing. And I felt like, oh, well, I'll ask him while we have him on. But I read that there was supposed to be like this video after dark. Where yeah, was- actually, yeah. we have we have 14 episodes of that, and oh, I'll right. have news about it probably soon. It's been over a year since uh, we shot them. And the problem was uh, when we made them, they were ABC had executives that wanted them because they were irreverent and dirtier. And we bleeped people cursing and babies saying F words and, you know, nudity with blurred, scrambled private parts. And they wouldn't run it. They just, uh, that was the problem with it. It's really funny. It's, it's, I did the voices again, you know, and, uh, the network wouldn't run it. So we're looking for a source right now. And we were close in a couple places, but then it was too much for them. <laughs> you would think like someone like Netflix or Crave or something would want it, but I guess. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of new outlets that are happening every day. You know, I mean, things that started as nothing. I did a movie that was made produced, uh, paid for by Redbox and Redbox people went, Oh, you're doing it for those machine things. Well, they're making movies now. And I was the first one. So they're literally in the film business. So real movies are getting made by the company that had the big red box with DVDs in it. So, you know, it's, it's, 
it's a different world and it changes literally every week. And now, it's going to be great for creators. Now, wouldn't it be kind of ironic where, you know, the guy that was, was originally in the full house ended up being the host for the video after dark, like the full, full circle. <laughs> that would be, I don't know what it would be. It would be karmic for him, you know, no, but we shot 14. So there's no point in him doing it. And you need Vinda Bona, who's my friend. And so I don't think, and I didn't want to do the show again. I was asked to do the show again many times um, over the 20, it's been on 30 years. And I, I just didn't want to do it again because I'd done it. But the, yeah. the, the after dark thing was fun. And we did some cool stuff. So we'll see if somebody picks it up. If not, hey, I've done so many shows that had one year. I did a show called Raising Dad that was such a good show. It was written by Jonathan Katz, you know, Dr. Katz, and uh, Norman Steinberg, who wrote movie My Favorite Year and also was one of the writers on Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles. And they wrote it, and it starred me as dad, and my dad was played by Hesh on The Sopranos, Jerry Adler, who okay. is amazing. And my daughter's, one of my daughter's friends was Megan Good, who's a beautiful, great actress. And my two daughters were Kat Dennings and Brie Larson. And we were on for, we did 24 episodes. They loved it in London. So that was a show that should have been on for a really long time. It was a wonderful show. And Andy Kindler was my uh, boss. I was a teacher. It was a great show. But I did a bunch of pilot shows that lasted. Yes, Survivor Suburbia was a great show. I mean, it dealt with, we had gun issues shows we dealt with stuff and it was written by kevin abbott who was a writer on roseanne so it was it, it is what it is it's showbiz and they say we're not getting picked up i go okay next and i just go into one of my other five careers you know when you mentioned that the first thing that came to mind was when you're saying like oh we did so many pilots and they could have could have went places yeah. like in my mind it always comes back and if i ever had her on i'd ask her personally but it's like eight simple rules once john ritter passed away and I, I, I'm blanking on the name. I think she plays Penny on like Big Bang Theory. But it's like, I always felt like, geez, how many more episodes? Kaylee? You mean Kaylee? There you go. Kaylee, yeah. It's yeah, like, she's the star of The Flight Attendant, which is unbelievably great. Yeah, like it's almost like, I wonder how long Eight Simple Rules would have lasted. Like, would she be on The Big Bang? Would she be here? But like, it all happens for a reason. But it always, in back of my mind, I'm like, geez, Eight Simple Rules was like a really good show. And then when Ritter passes, it's like, ah. Uh, it's so okay, sad so, that he yeah. passed. He was a beautiful man. He, I, I loved him. He was a wonderful man. Yeah, I mean, you never know. And you could say, you know, what if there was no World War II? You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, there's no point. I think it's just always talking about what if this didn't happen. Well, it did. I just move on as much as I can and stay in the moment. And I don't stop doing what I'm doing. I always have something new to do that I'm working on. That I'm, I'm more passionate about work now than I've ever been. It's going to be interesting when I get out of this room. <laughs> now, when you were talking about, of course, when they pitched back to you about the AFE and you said you didn't want to do it, I'm just interested. So, like, from the standpoint of Fuller House compared to Full House, like, when they pitched that to you originally, what made you kind of come on board to that? Was it just not being, like, always there? Or, like, did they only want you for a couple of episodes? Well, it was done right. It, it was, uh, you know it was really the girls show and it was meant to be that uh, you know enabling young women to yeah. to grow and candace as dj and jody as stephanie and andrea barber as kimmy they did what they did they did a cute way of making them each represent dave john and me back in the day so they put us on 
uh, understandably, because they wanted to get numbers in the beginning. Um, but the fact that it was Netflix and the fact that, you know, they paid us to be there. Uh, and also, we knew the fans really wanted it. And so I, I was inspired to do it. When I first walked onto the set and saw they rebuilt it, I was like, wow, this is interesting. I mean, it was, it was, it was fun to do. It was nice to be with everybody. Yeah, because it seems like uh, today, and I guess it's all about maybe marketing, having things like getting the actors to agree, but just seeing how it all comes together. Because it seems like revivals are a big thing. Like you see Saved by the Bell, of course, they have new class college years, but now that's coming back. They had... There's a ton of them. A Bill and Ted movie got made. Coming to America is coming out on March fifth is it that's you know people want solace in a kinder gentler time it's why happy days was a hit because that was 20 years after the 50s but it made people go back to when they thought was a kinder gentler time they didn't know that there was a cold war and that people were oppressed and there was so much racial tension and terrible prejudice it was much worse for most people but not for the people that I mean, a lot of people would like to go back to the 50s right now. A lot of people want to go back to just, you know, a horse and carriage and no no antibiotics. You know, people want to start right now with the invention of the gun. That's where we're at in the U.S. right now with some people. Like personally, to me, I'd like to be maybe 22 back in maybe 98, 99. And the reason I say that is because wrestling was still big there was a channel that was like viewer's choice. So it would show you all the previews of movies. And I'm like, man, it was so simple. You oh, they have all- that. You've got <laughs> that now. If you have Apple TV, if you have that, you go on there or Roku, it gives you every channel that's available, every app that's available. And oh, you wow. literally have the world. I mean, you can watch anything in the world that you want. I mean, there's more now than ever. And I also think wrestling is going to be, it's going to go <laughs> nuts when people can go back in there safely yeah <laughs> there's there still people at somewhere doing backyard wrestling i mean you know you got buffalo bills fans that put themselves through flaming tables i'm like easy <laughs> yeah right or on a slip and slide yeah with hot oil yeah that's all you want it's just you know going out in public and someone's like i'm going to a wrestling event oh you mean a bills game it's like, <laughs> <laughs> the last thing i, I kind of want to get into you with, with how i met your mother to me was kind of like my version of friends I, right. I eventually watched Friends because I got pressured into it. But How I Met Your Mother, man, to me, that was like emphasis of my university career or university life. I'd watch it and I felt like Ted, but I was like, geez, who's doing the voiceover? I'm like, oh, that's Bob Saget. Are we ever going to see Bob Saget? <laughs> well, if you get the DVD set of How I Met Your Mother, I'm in, the, fin- I'm in the final <laughs> episode dancing at the wedding. I also, yeah. on the last, there was a whole controversy because people don't know what else to do, that I didn't narrate the last episode and Josh Radner did. And I was there for the last reading knowing I wasn't going to narrate it. And I wanted to be there. I was part of the cast. I was uncredited on purpose because I felt like they're the cast and I'm the one that kind of ties it up in a knot. You know, I'm very, him in very 20 humble, years. Bob. Very no, humble no, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's not humble. It's a, it's, maybe it's a humble brag, but it's just how I, it's how I look at it. I mean, what narrated by, I didn't want to see my name on there. It didn't make any sense. I mean, you don't see Ron Howard's narrator name on, 
Arrested Development or Daniel Stern on the Wonder Years. I was following the proper way to do things, just dignity. And they were the cast. And sometimes I'd screw around and I'd show up on the set and I'd find out they were about to start the table read. And I had just finished doing, I would spend four hours on voicing over one episode because I would watch the episode and then I would want to do it on the soundstage at 20th Century Fox. And I wanted to get inside Josh's head and really be able to do it right. That's why it worked. That's why yeah. people didn't go, why? At first, they were like, why is this happening? That was the big joke. But I would like started one table read and I go, kids, and the whole cast went, oh, because I was there. And I knew Allison Hannigan because she used to be my babysitter and Neil oh, wow. Patrick Harris I knew since he was nine, either 10 and whatever age he was on Doogie. I just knew a lot of the people. And um, it was just very, it was a, a sweet fit. I was doing a play in New York off Broadway and I got the call to do it and it just seemed right. And again, in that box set, there is a version of me narrating the last episode. And I do say, and that kids is a story of how I met your mother. So I, I said that in the box set. Now I'm just curious on your, <laughs> on your end, cause there's two different, there's, well, there's the actual ending and there's an alternate ending to you. Have you seen both endings? No, I don't watch anything I do pretty much. <laughs> I, do, I don't. I'm one of those people that doesn't like to watch. If I'm acting in something that I directed, I have to watch it. I have yeah. to edit it. I have to work on it. Otherwise, uh, maybe I'll see it. If there's a premiere of something or a screening, I'll watch it. But I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself. When people say negative stuff to me, it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't need to. I'm pretty, you know, self-critical. I'm always wanting to be better. But has that, like has anyone in the past ever brought up to you about like the alternate ending? No, I don't. I don't. I guess some people like if I'm on Instagram Live or something, you know, um, I talk about it. But the alternate ending, meaning sh she passes away no matter what. You mean the alternate ending with the voiceover? No, no, no. Like so, the, it, it maybe I'm just trying to remember where I read it to or seen it because there's one like yeah that she passes away. But there's another one that I think that like he doesn't end up with Robin. He just more or less explains like if this event didn't happen, I wouldn't go here. If I didn't go here, this wouldn't have happened. Like he like sums it up. I think that's in yeah. the last episode. I don't think there's an alternate ending, except I know there's an alternate version with me narrating it, not Josh. Okay. Yeah, because I always like so like. Don't me. believe what you read. They're <laughs> lying. They've been lying to us for two hundred years. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Bob Saget for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.